uh, Hawaii Five O is an action police procedural overhead plane. You always Damn you know plane. I'm always ready to talk about Hawaii Fifty as opposed to the <laughs> previous forty nine iterations. <laughs> We don't want to talk about Hawaii 12. Save we don't want to talk about save Hawaii Save that classic 23. gold for when a plane's not going over. question boys what's that are you alive <laughs> now you're probably wondering like where am i gonna get a battlestar galactica hawaii 50 mashup where yeah. hat where am i oh is that what that was i thought that was stargate sg1 <laughs> Ooh, nice well, there's only one place you get this this cultural mix uh and that can only mean one thing, and that's that you made it. So pull up a chair. It's the TV Boys. This is the show where, you guessed it, we, the boys, we talk about TV. Each week here on the TV Boys, we like to pick a person, place, or thing, usually a person, dive into their work, tell you what we love about them and those shows. Before we get into that, I should tell you who I am. I'm Izzy. Who else we got here? I'm Thomas. And I'm Johnny. Glad to be back in the booth. I know it's uh, seamless for you listeners at home, but sometimes we are all together in person and sometimes we're not. And we're all together this time. All in the booth together. Gotta love it. It feels good. Yeah, seeing those reactions in real time and, you know, 1080p or whatever humans see in. 4K HD. Dolby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, now that we're all stoked and ready, who is it that we're talking about this week? This week we're talking about the one and only Grace Park. Grace Park. You should already know who that is, but in case you don't, does anybody have their IMDb top four? Grace Park's IMDb top four are Stargate. I'm sorry. Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> Hawaii Five O, Romeo Must Die, and Freaks. Now I believe those second two are movies, as IMDb is one to do. But gotta love when someone's top credits are shows, because that's what we're about here on the TV Boys. Um, we're definitely going to talk about uh, you know both of those shows for sure, or many more before we get right into the shows. Does anybody want to give me some some like early life bio on Grace Park? Grace Park was born in Los Angeles and moved to, with her family to Canada when she was 22 months old. She was raised in in the Vancouver neighborhood of Carisdale. Now that's some specificity. <laughs> uh, she graduated from McGee Secondary School in 1992 and holds a degree in psychology from the University of oh. British Columbia. 
which is that's pretty interesting because that's definitely not acting not like the norm for an acting background yeah um a little fun side note um grace park is bilingual she speaks english korean and a little bit of french and cantonese jeez that's a lot i know so i so i know that she you know speaks english because she's you know, born and born and raised in a primarily English-speaking area, and then uh, Korean because her family does. But I, I would assume French because she's living in Canada and Cantonese, maybe as an extracurricular, just like yeah, because she already is that smart, she can uh, learn one more. I was gonna say that's three more languages than I know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just English with me. I I learned a little bit of Spanish back in in high school, but. Can only remember a few things. So when does somebody become like a polyglot instead of bilingual? Do we well, know? I, so I know trilingual is a thing. So if it's more than three, maybe, maybe that's this made up word you've said. It's not made uh, up. Polyglot? <laughs> yeah, polyglot is somebody who knows multiple languages, but I don't know when yeah, that yeah. starts. If All that's right. four I was more. teasing. I assume if you're going to try to bust out a fancy word that you've done your research enough to know. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. I just, it, people that know that many languages intrigue me because I feel like that takes a lot of yeah. mental it, power. So, uh, I know we didn't really write very much about it, um, but Grace Park's first uh, credit that she has to her name is 1997's The Outer Limit uh, for one episode. Did did either of you guys ever see The Outer Limit or know anything about it? No. Um, I watched it when I was like a teenager when Hulu was like a new thing for me. I remember The Outer Limit, uh, Outer Limits uh, being on there. And it's basically like a uh, kind of M.A. Twilight Zone. Really? It's a it's a wild okay. show. It's a really wild show that um, uh, I I really I really enjoyed. I, I I liked a lot of it. But you you don't know you've never seen it either. No, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not familiar with the outer. Limits. Okay. Yeah. No. I actually. Okay. So I'll just say she's in the episode Bits of Love, which I have not seen, but I kind of want to see that because like even um, like being filmed and made in the 90s like there like i remember seeing an episode that was basically ex machina really in like a 90s uh show and it was on showtime so like it was a little bit more uh ma or like adult oriented than um twilight zone one probably like bigger budget than being on like abc yeah yeah it's a it's an absolutely wild show if you've never seen it i just say hey uh, check it out. That sounds pretty cool. I mean, as long as if you're going to give a shout out to the first credit, I'm going to give a quick shout out to the second. Also, in 1997, Grace Park was in an episode of Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. And if you're like, first off, if you love the show, you already get it. If you don't know, <laughs> you are familiar with it from meme from meme culture. It's Riker. <laughs> it, it's it's you know you, you got Riker there. You got. Uh, Jonathan Frakes as the host of sort of a show that's basically two truths and a lie, but done through sh- filmed reenactments. Yeah. And then it'll be like, oh, that was fake or not. But the reason you know him from meme culture is from those short gifts or TikToks maybe where it's just Jonathan Frakes saying over and over like, totally false. It was fake. <laughs> T- completely made up. We made that one up. That one wasn't real. Like, over and over and over. And that's a smash cut of like, cause, cause 
they'll do like three short story reenactments and then he'll tell you like which ones were made up and which ones weren't yeah at the, at the end of the episode just real quick i found this uh jonathan frakes telling you you're wrong for 47 seconds created it not this time no not this time it's totally made up pure fiction it's fiction pure fiction <laughs> it's fiction we made it up we made this one up it's a made-up tale it's a total fabrication <laughs> On one of those, he rides in on a bicycle, <laughs> like a helmet. Yeah. He's like usually like on a prop related to one of the stories. And when he like is on a bicycle with a helmet, it's like, why would you need a helmet to like roll forward on this set? He's like, Total okay. fabrication. That's so funny because I know this from a different meme. Um, walked out of a mall into a huge parking area and realized you'd forgotten where you parked your car. Ever gone mountain biking? What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> What's the right tip? Have you called a plumber to your home lately? How superstitious are you? How much money would it take to make you spend a night in a cemetery? Would you display this as a trophy? Do you have a pet? Do you have a sweet tooth? Do you believe in the power of a curse? <laughs> that's, that's my favorite one. Because yeah. that's way funny. Would you display this as a trophy? Do you believe in the power of a curse? <laughs> like, have you ever been freaking amazing? The, the beam I saw from that was like, uh, uh, like, you and it's like says nothing and then like four-year-old child and it's like everything from this like (laughs) have you ever been mountain biking what's the deal with this would you display this on your wall just like a whole bunch of crazy do you believe in the power of a curse so that's what the meme is from the show (laughs) i really i loved the show i honestly i honestly watched it both before and after i was a star trek fan and that was a whole journey (laughs) <laughs> but i really want to watch more of it <laughs> uh grace park was only in one episode of that but you know if we're mentioning some early credits had to give it a shout out um the first recurring role grace park had was in the immortal now this is a show i'd not heard about i'm you know correct me if i'm wrong but i'm guessing you guys hadn't heard of this no. either um i tried to find it and i was having some trouble finding it unless I wanted to get like a Canadian VPN mm. and I'm just not quite ready to go there. And you, I, you know, I'm not trying to trick the government cause I know <laughs> they're listening, but, uh, the immortal is a Canadian horror based martial arts television series <laughs> martial arts. Uh, from, from 2000 to 2001, 22 episodes. It's set in, so, or, or at least part of it starts in 16th century Asia, where I believe the main character, Raphael Kane, sees his wife killed and his daughter taken by supernatural villains from the underworld. And so he's trying to pursue these demons throughout centuries. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't fully understand that because I haven't seen the show. To, to kill these demons, to well, find his daughter. It's called Immortal. Uh, so he's just like, does he not die? I, I think that's it. He has the, the help of like uh, some some magical or some people who can use magic. There's uh, some samurai swordsmanship going on. He's got to fulfill his oath. He has a squire, Goodwin, who follows him through time, helping him on his quest. Uh, and... Raphael Kane and the Squire Goodwin, they're joined by psychologist Sarah Beckman, who studies otherworldly anomalies. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, 
you know, Kane take Kane's like down with that because he can take all the help he can get because the the lead demon Malos has his henchwoman Vashta or Vashita, and and they're trying to you know they're like it's set in the twenty first century, but he like that's his like backstory as he's been fighting demons through the ages and now he's gotta gotta get to this one and I was like, is this is this like a proto supernatural? Like I really want to see. <laughs> so I was disappointed that I couldn't find a way to watch it, but I still wanted everyone to know about it. It sounds uh, you, like you can buy it episode by episode. I just, you know, we're not quite there yet. Funding wise for this show. So <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't spring for it. <laughs> so I think the, the next thing we should talk about is 2001's Stargate SG one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. You have a technical. <laughs> Technically, she appeared in one episode uh, of Stargate SG One uh, called Proving Ground. Okay, now I okay. I feel like <laughs> I see what you're doing now. You're just she actually was in an episode. She was in SG One, but she's more famous from BSG. And that's where you're getting it. I think that's where you're crossing it over. That is where I'm crossing it over. That's not what we're here to talk about. No, we're here to talk about 2001 to 2005's Edgemont. Grace Park plays a main role across 69 episodes in this series. Um, Edgemont is a Canadian soap opera series that revolves around the everyday dealings of teenagers in Edgemont, a fictitious suburb of Vancouver. The fifth season, funnily enough, was shown commercial-free on the CBC, which I wonder how often they do that because I feel like that's not a not an American tactic. It's no, no, I think well, it is it is probably more so now with streaming, but like well, yeah, that's true. I think even with like ad supported Hulu, sometimes they do ad free like premieres just because they want people to watch it. They do, and I'm going to talk about that later. Actually, dude, nice. Weird, uh, speaking funny. of streaming, a weird thing I noticed because sometimes I sync up. What I'm watching on my phone, so I can like walk around the house, but it's like time sync to what I'm watching on the TV because I'm a nerd like that. Um, Peacock, no ads on the mobile, ads on the on the computer on the computer for in sure. Xbox. There's, there's no ads so, on mobile. So Peacock? like I was, you know, I went to like go do the dishes, and when I come back, I'm 30 seconds ahead of my show because it went to an ad on my xbox what yeah first world problems i've only ever watched peacock on mobile so that's i've never noticed that before huh well you that's well yeah anything i didn't i didn't worry about edgemont (laughs) the 30 minute show delved into the lives of students at mckinley high school the plots contained romance intrigue jealousy and the other elements associated with adolescent and secondary school scenes so then i put a question here for us as tv boys go ahead and read that for me i mean was this like another degrassi kind of seems like this was degrassi which was like another high school uh soap opera did you also canadian made of like the same era yeah yeah like i watched i watched degrassi but like i don't think I, i didn't watch edgemont or at least i don't remember no, I didn't. I didn't see Edgemont. Yeah, I, I saw, saw Degrassi. Degrassi. I mean, I watched. I watched the boy, dude. 
I watched the boy. Yeah. Well, Freaking, uh, Drake. Yeah, Drake. <laughs> yeah. That's I just from all this description, this just seems like it sounds like another Degrassi. I'm not saying that in like a good or bad way. Yeah. And I haven't seen it, so I can't draw the direct comparison, but that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and you know what? Hey, if you love it, if you love Degrassi and but you've seen it all more than once. Maybe check out Edgemont because I'll tell you right now, Grace Park is a fantastic actress. I don't know how great everyone else is in that show, but uh, she's great, and, I, and I'm sh- and I'm confident you can find Edgemont streaming at a website near you. I think it's time to talk about Grace Park's number one IMDb mention, and really, I think the reason we've gathered you here today, and that is, of course. The 2004 Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica, if you did not know, uh, all often referred to as BSG. I don't, I'm not sure if we're going to do that or not, but just so you know, BSG, that's Battlestar Galactica. Um, it's a military science fiction TV series, and it's part of the Battlestar Galactica franchise because this is... Uh, based on a based on a classic like there was a previous Battlestar Galactica television show um, in the 70s I believe it started in 78 that original series created by Glenn A. Larson Um, but this series that we're talking about today in 2004 was developed by Ronald D. Moore who I know I've said his name a bunch of times because he's a major part of Star Trek uh, television and more recently, he created For All Mankind, Ronald D. Moore. Fantastic. Anyways, so he developed this, um, not sequel, but reboot of Battlestar Galactica. And it stars a lot of great people. You got Edward James Almos. He's in there. He's like the head honcho, Captain Adama. You got Mary McDonald. Fan- she's fantastic. Katie Sackoff. Jamie Bamber. Grace Park, Trisha Helfer, so many more. But uh, some, some uh, a note about this space series: the the pilot for the first year for, for Battlestar Galactica um, originally aired as it was like made as a TV movie, which is now for your streaming purposes. If you're trying to look it up, it's referred to as a three hour mini series, which is like two episodes. And that was the pilot of the show. So when you go to start this show, which you should, you it's all on Peacock, but you're going to look up, you're going to want to look up Battlestar Galactica and there's going to be the, the mini series with just two episodes. And you watch that first because that's the pilot. And then the show picks up from there. Um, you know, the series beside, you know, obviously I love it. I know I've made that very clear. Um, it's not just me. I mean, it's received critical acclaim. It's it's won a Peabody Award. It was nominated for 19 Emmys, uh, won a couple of them. It, the New York Times placed it on its list of the best 20 TV dramas since The Sopranos. And that, like, that just <laughs> speaks volumes to me. And honestly, like, honestly, the era of television sits The Sopranos I'm sure there's an older version that people like to call the golden age, but to me, as like we're in, as the golden age of television, as far as new 
new ways post Norman Lear's changes to television, like new ways of making TV is Sopranos forward. And to put that on a list of top 20, like that rocks. Anyways, to get back a little bit, do you want to, Johnny, do you want to like get a little bit more into like the, the plot of Battlestar Galactica? For sure. Uh, so Battlestar Galactica is set in a distant star system where a civilization of humans live on a group of planets known as the 12 colonies of Cobol. In the past, the colonies had been at war with an android race of their own creation known as the Cylons. With the unwitting help of a human scientist named Gaius Baltar, the Cylons launch a sudden sneak attack on the colonies, laying waste to the planets and devastating their populations. Out of a population of several billion, there are about uh, 50,000 human survivors left. Most were aboard civilian spaceships that were not near the initial attacks of all the colonial fleet. The Battlestar Galactica is the only military ship that survived the attack under the leadership of colonial fleet officer uh, William or Bill Adama, who was played by Edward James Almos and President Laura Roslin, who is uh, McDonnell. The Galactica and its crew take up the task of leading a small fugitive fleet of survivors into space in search of the fabled 13th colony known as Earth. But it's, it's not said in that, like, uh, summarization of the show that, like, the Cylons rebelled and they had a war, like, 40 years ago or something. And then time goes on, and they had just, Cylons had disappeared, and we're just like living our best lives. Yeah. And like I the think, Battlestar, I think it's been fifty-eight years yeah. since the Cylon War ended. And like and basically, starts. it starts with like the Battlestar Galactica being basically a museum of yes. like what technology it's, used to be, like when we used to fight them. It's a warship from the Cylon Wars fifty-eight years ago that the the series starts on the day of its decommissioning as like part of the patrol around this human but, universe and into like a museum ship. I guess what I'm saying is that like there's a new concept now, like the silence had come back and destroyed humanity for the most part, yeah. besides 50,000 people. Uh, but they find out that uh, Cylons, why that while they were gone have the, have made the technology to make Cylons look and act exactly like people. So now, and and there's evidence that there is some Cylon spy, at least one of them, on board the Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. So there's there's so many layers to this, and I just like, like for me, the best sci-fi thing I've seen recently is Raised by Wolves, and this, and going back and watching this was like, I was just like, this is like almost just as good, and I'm so happy, yeah, uh, to be like watching this again because I cannot stop. So. These these Cylons, these robots that look exactly like humans, you quickly find out there's like multiple copies of any of any of these individuals. Um, later on in the show, I believe you learn that there's like an, a total number of how many different Cylons there are. But the point is, there's a bunch of identical copies of any given one of them. Well, I think you find out pretty early that there's 12 human looking Cylons. Uh, like yeah, iterations. Yeah. Like, there's all, twelve ultimately different. Ultimately, there's twelve models. Yeah, but there's any number of copies of them, and what happens as a like 
part of the twist ending to the pilot two-parter, which, like I said, is listed in streaming as the uh, miniseries, is that Grace Park's character, Sharon Valeri, you now see her in a second location as the same person showing you that she is, in fact, a Cylon. And, like, her character, her, like, original character that you see is a, like, um, like a communications pilot on the Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And she doesn't know that she's yes, a Cylon. Like, she's, there's Cylon she's sleeper like agents. She's, like, a sleeper agent. She yeah. thinks she's a human. She has memories and, like, a boyfriend. And you feel for her. But you but, know the whole time But that because there's multiple copies of her, the show starts following, like, another model of her. And you get like different character building amongst these two different versions of, we'll just call it what it is, number eight. Yeah. Um, who ultimately have different life experiences. And then that ties into the whole, you know, are these robots really people? Are they really sentient? These people feel a different way. Like there's a whole, there's a theme throughout Battlestar Galactica that machines like not being able to account for love. Um, and you know, inevitably two different number eights grow like one being on the Galactica, one being on Cylon occupied planet Caprica. They're going to have different experiences. They're going to end up loving different things. And the machines not like learning, not necessarily not knowing how, but like, them trying to account for how to process this. It's, it's very interesting. It's definitely one of my favorite sci-fi series for a lot of reasons. And that, like I said, it's not really a spoiler for the show as a whole, because that's part of the show from the pilot moving forward. Like share, like the Sharon might not know, like you said, a sleeper agent and the people certainly don't know, but you as the viewer, are seeing an A and B storyline of like Galactica fleeing the universe and this other number eight who like, they also think is Sharon Valeri trapped on earth. Um, Caprica. So, so yeah, sorry, sorry. Caprica. Their, their planets generally look like earth, but yeah, definitely uh, Caprica and seeing this dichotomy of, of, I don't know. It, it's sort of, it's not necessarily nature versus nurture argument, but it is like a, I, I feel like a nod toward that. Like it, I really think it kind of boils down to the Cylons can't account for love, but maybe that's just my opinion. Um, One thing I just want to throw out there that I thought was really cool um, about Battlestar Galactica, the new series is that um, there is an actor from the 1978 Battlestar Galactica in the new series. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So, Ooh. like, um, in the 1978, Richard Hatch played Captain Apollo in the 1978 version. Okay. And in okay. um, the new Battlestar Galactica, he plays the, um, like, terrorist prisoner who tries to, like, get everybody from the jail like they all the people in this like jail follow him and he holds a bunch of people captive and says like um like sends a message to like all the ships carrying humanity like tom we, zarek was in the original bsg that's what you're saying 
it's uh, this guy all the way to the right. Is that Tom's Eric? Yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. So that's the original what? That's the original Captain Apollo. He goes on to become like a major character. Like he gets elected to political office. Okay. Uh, I haven't like, it's been a while since I watched that. So yeah. He I guess starts he, out as a convicted terrorist. Yeah. That is a, what? that he, he is Captain so cool. Apollo in the original. I thought that was totally wild. I had no idea he was Captain Apollo because he just like, I mean, he, he beats he, up Apollo. He yeah. puts a gun to Apollo's head. <laughs> yeah, he, he def- definitely does not play that character. Uh, but I thought that was absolutely wild. I think that's a really fun thing that's to like cool. keep the, some of the same blood from the old yeah, to the yeah. new. Because they definitely reinvented um, Battlestar Galactica with this new series. I don't know if you guys did any research into the old series, but the old series... Um, it, it, you know, a lot of the same, a lot of the same, uh, themes throughout, uh, of course, but the Cylons in the original series were created by like an ancient lizard race that does not exist anymore. The Cylons were not a human, uh, creation in the original series. So, um, I thought that was really interesting too. I, I like that the Cylons, uh, I mean, basically, uh, Battlestar Galactica is um, the Terminator mixed with Star Wars. That's, I think, the easiest way to understand it. But it was not originally that. Well, did you know? Did you know that there were some lawsuits between, um, like Lucas Arts and the Star Wars franchise and BSG? Uh, that doesn't surprise me because every hangar scene looks exactly like. X-wing hangar scenes in Star Wars. It's it's dead on. Have you heard the you know the horror stories about like children a child like choking and and tragically dying from a toy that shot like a a a a pellet that was supposed to be a laser beam from a spaceship, and Uh it like I feel like it's commonly attributed to Star Wars, but. Uh, was actually a Battlestar Galactica toy. Really? I I thought I I mean I definitely heard I think that's like why there's a super rare um Boba Fett toy yeah, cuz yeah. like originally well, jetpack was supposed to shoot right. a little thing. The, the was that like in response pull- to Well the the technology was pulled because a child was injured but both Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica were making toys that did that. But it it was not a Star Wars toy that like there is a famous tragic death and famous emergency lung surgery and both of them are a BSG toy, but it caused what ultimately became a super rare Star Wars toy to be rare. Mm. One thing that I thought was totally crazy about this show, um, as a video game nerd, I uh, definitely played both of the Star Wars Force Unleashed games. Did either of you guys play those? We're I, talk- I think those are like Xbox 360 on for Didn't, the second one, maybe. And like in the first one, as part of the storyline, do you like pull a Star Destroyer out of the sky? Yeah, yeah, force? like yeah, you're Darth that. Vader's apprentice. Uh, so. The guy, so like you have a main character in the Star Wars Force Unleashed video games. He's like bald, and I think he's his name is Star Killer, and you're Darth Vader's apprentice. Uh, I was watching this show, and and I kept seeing this guy like on the periphery. He's not he's not a super main character, but he's like in a lot of scenes where they're like going out into space. He's like one of the fighter pilots or something. I kept seeing this guy, and I was like, 
what? That guy looks so familiar to me, but not as an actor. I was like, oh, wait, that guy looks exactly like the video game character. Like, not kind of, like, exactly. Uh, and it is. So the guy who... They modeled they him? Ba- yeah, the guy who they made Starkiller from Force Unleashed, that guy is in Battlestar Galactica. And if you pulled up the animated star killer next to his face it's exactly the same like i recognized him from an animated version of himself which is <laughs> that's never happened before and i thought that was really cool but like it is the same guy and it is undeniable that star killer is on the Battlestar galactica and i thought that was really nice. cool <laughs> well I, I have some things to say about sort of the way BSG is listed and and streamed and sold. So, like I mentioned, the pilot of the show was sort of made as a television movie. And and, in that way, a backdoor pilot for a series. So, in that way, it's sort of like a double based on a based on a. Because this is, of course, based on a series of the same name. But technically, the show is, in a way, based off the movie of the same name released to pilot it. And this process also happened with the original series. Really? The original series made a TV movie that there was potential sequel movie TV movies planned, but instead was optioned for a pilot. So it's based on a thing that's based on a thing of the same name, but it in itself is based on a thing of the same name that's based on the thing of the same name that's based on a thing of the same name. <laughs> so I feel like this is a based on a based on deception. Yeah. It just like, how deep does the dream go? Um, so that that is interesting, and that's fun. Um, but here's some more things. The series Battlestar Galactica was followed by a prequel spinoff series called Caprica, which aired for one season in 2010 after BSG. In case you wondered, yes, Caprica was, in fact, originally they made a TV movie (laughs) as a pilot for what became the show Caprica. And then there was a sequel to that prequel called Battlestar Galactica (laughs) Blood and Chrome. And I'm sure you're asking, oh, so was that a movie to begin with? No, 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 no. Oh, so no, it's not confusing? Well, Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome was initially a web series consisting of 10 10-minute episodes, but has since been aired on sci-fi as a television movie and has sometimes streamed slash sold as a movie. <laughs> so was it in sell a, a backdoor movie pilot to itself? And, and, and you know, if you're still with me here, we, we there's also two actual TV movies, officially. That doesn't include that one I just mentioned. You got Battlestar Galactica Razor, which takes place during the second half of season two, as well okay. as some pre-series flashbacks to like a young Adama and a young uh, Admiral Kane. Um, And then that, so that movie was released 
while the series was still airing. Then they have a movie, Battlestar Galactica, The Plan, which was released after the series had concluded, but takes place from the beginning of the series through the end of season two. However, Battlestar Galactica, The Plan, is from the perspective of the Cylons through like going through like the first two seasons of the show and <laughs> stick with we're almost we're you know we're still going like you're like oh what how am i tracking it all down we... how am i tracking it all down there's also three sets of quote-unquote webisode series each of them are like seven to ten episodes of two to six minute episodes in length um the first one battlestar galactica the resistance takes place between seasons two and three. And that's when it was aired. It was like aired between that and some short stories. Battlestar Galactica Razor Flashbacks, which mostly takes place in flashbacks that are before the flashbacks within the movie Razor. (laughs) (laughs) You lost me. Because the BSG Razor Flashbacks was webisodes (laughs) that led up to the BSG Razor movie. (laughs) Oh my gosh! All right, and then and then you can't forget about the webisode series, the BSG, the face of the enemy, which takes place but during the mid-season break of season four, so between episodes <laughs> ten and eleven. <laughs> so if you're if you're still tracking, <laughs> whether whether out of some sort of uh, morbid curiosity or maybe some sort of heinous completionism <laughs> syndrome. Uh, as a final terminology wrinkle for you, according to Ronald D. Moore, the Razor Flashbacks webisode series, in contrast to the Resistance and Face of the Enemy web series, he says should actually be called featurettes and not webisodes. Because, in his opinion, the difference between that and the other web series is those other webisodes were, like, completely new material created to air on the internet, while the featurettes are really little more than deleted scenes from Razor, the movie. What? <laughs> now, oh, my God. <laughs> I think, personally, for me, I think that distinction lies a little bit more in the fact that NBC considered webisodes, which that's all three of those series of webisodes, to be promotional material, quote unquote, for the Battlestar Galactica series, which means that legally the writers were not entitled to compensation because it wasn't show content. It was promotional material. In case you're wondering, when was that industry-wide writer's streak? Was it around that time? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes it was so uh that's that's sort of the end of the Battlestar galactic conclusion i know like i went on a thing it sounds like so complicated it's really not watch the miniseries on peacock then watch the regular series on peacock and if you become like a, a mega stan you can you can check out all these other webisodes and and movies and what have you so what, what I'm hearing through all of that hullabaloo is that if I do dip a toe in BSG, there is plenty 
of content for me to consume. It seems like so much, but it's really just four seasons, two movies, and three webisode series that ultimately all together about the length of a movie. Really, though, the important thing is that you watch the pilot which the, is the mini series yeah watch that mini series before you do anything else because if you just go to peacock and click on season one episode one of uh battlestar galactica you're immediately gonna be you're met with flashbacks yeah. that you have no idea what's no going context on you're just for. like is this I, how this like it you're is gonna be confused baffling to me as to why the mini series is not considered episode one and two of the series it, for all functional purposes of watching a television show, the quote-unquote miniseries are episodes one and two. Like, you need to see that first. So so those are two one-and-a-half-hour episodes? Yes. I, it's three hours. Yeah, actually, I think it's, like, bizarre where one's, like, longer than the other, but it's okay. ultimately no, two hours. I just watched them both last night, and they're, they're both around an hour and a half long. Okay. Next thing we're talking about is 2008 to 2009's The Cleaner. So clean. Grace Park plays a main role in 26 episodes. Uh, for those of you who are uninitiated, the cleaner was created by Robert Munich and Jonathan Prince, who worked on Four Weddings and a Funeral, also Blossom. The cleaner, whose protagonist, according to A&E, helps others defeat their habits by any means necessary. That last bit being in quotes is the first original drama for this cable network in over six years. Um, I'm assuming that's in 2008. So in six years, A&E had not had any original (laughs) dramas. That's, I mean, that's what they're (laughs) asserting here. Did they just have like things in syndication or were they just like copying other stuff? I thought A&E was like decidedly unoriginal things. Yeah, well, I mean, if we if we talk about the uh, the premise here of the cleaner, this might also not be an original drama. <laughs> um, the show is loosely based on the life of Warren Boyd, who is an addictions counselor. Um, he's helped such people as Mel Gibson, Courtney Love, and Whitney Houston. Um, William Banks is a recovering drug addict who lives in Los Angeles, California. When his daughter Lula was born, Banks made a deal with God pledging that if he is given a second chance, he will end his drug abuse and help others and their addictions to drugs and alcohol. Banks and his small team of recovering addicts begin to work to help others in recovering from their addictions. They will resort to unethical and illegal tactics in order to end their clients' addictions. Um, I mean, from what I understand, they're, like the police get involved, but they like turn a blind eye to what are like ultimately his vigilante actions to like, you know, break the law, but get someone to break their addiction Uh, to the point that like, I believe the police within the show, like will refer uh, clients to this lead character. Who's Hmm. a vigilante drug or addiction therapist. <laughs> that just sounds so wild. Uh, he, like, there's definitely some stuff about, like, you know, if the client can't afford it, they'll still do it pro bono. Like, he's doing it for the right reasons. Well, he made a deal with God. He better right. be saying, like, give I, me that money yeah. first before I give you what God gave me or something. I don't know. 
I mean, there's plenty of people that do that already, so I don't think he would really uh, suffer from it. But I mean, as far as that goes, <laughs> there's. I know we got some more details on it. This, that that uh... each episode typically begins with Banks having a one-way conversation with God, or talking, as he refers to it, usually asking for guidance and clarity on his mission, the meaning of life, and human nature, among other things. Other times, Banks will air his grievances to God, asking why he allows bad things to happen. William's one-way communications with God are somewhat of a theme during the series, implying that his faith plays an important role in his sobriety. However, whether all the scenes where Banks is shown praying out loud to God are real or whether they are simply illustrations of what is going on in his mind are left ambiguous to the viewers. It sounds I don't really... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I mean, that's all I was going to say. It sounds pretty neat to me. I don't, I don't really get that last point where they're like, whether the scenes where he's praying out loud are real or in his head, like, how how is that different? Like, <laughs> yeah. it was like in neither version, whether it's in his head or not, is God responding? It's him praying. I don't understand that <laughs> distinction of, like, yeah. maybe it was all in his head. Like, if he's just praying, like, so a note about the cleaner that I I thought was interesting, uh, you know, having not seen the show, but it still seemed interesting to me is that the, the intro for the show definitely explicitly states that, that the main character banks in addition to drug and alcohol addiction also helps people overcome addictions to sex and gambling, but neither of those are ever a focus of an episode. Like, the intro says that, but it, like, never comes up. Yeah. Um, so, I think the next thing to talk about when it comes to Grace Park's television work is 2008-2010's The Border. Um, so, she was a major role for a good portion of the show. Not not the entire show, but she was special agent Liz Carver in The Border. The Border, if you didn't know, is a Canadian drama aired on CBC television initially. Um, had, a, had a pretty successful, I think, or at least widespread worldwide airing. It was like on 20 international television networks. It was created by a group of people from... White Pine Pictures, a Toronto-based independent film and TV studio that, from what I could find, primarily works on like documentaries. Like they they want people to know more about Canada. Um, but the show is one of their their two dramas. It's set in Toronto. It follows agents of the quote. Immigration and Customs Security, the ICS, which is apparently a fictitious agency described in the show as like having been created by Canada's government to deal with trans-border matters and crimes like terrorism and smuggling. Um, the show like intentionally tries to contrast the American style of results-oriented anti-terrorism shows as far as handling situations where, like, this... They try to take more of a relaxed approach to, like, ensure innocent people aren't caught up with conducting these anti-terrorist duties. Um, according to at least one of the show's creators, they, they wanted to, to show that 
like Canadians are more understanding and open-minded than the Americans are now <laughs> stuck up Canadians. I, I'm so open-minded. I, you know, originally, honestly, I don't know if I would have put all that flavor in there, but I yeah. kind of wanted to because I don't know. Do you guys remember WikiLeaks? Yeah. Yeah. When some formerly secret diplomatic cables published by whistleblower organization WikiLeaks came out, it was revealed that some U.S. diplomats in Canada warned their superiors that the television show The Border, along with some other Canadian dramas, had, quote, insidious anti-American bias because Ooh. of, like, the way they were handling law enforcement and trying to contrast it with American law enforcement television shows. I That's so <laughs> funny to me, but that's, like, real. Yeah. Like, actual. So... Back, but uh, kind of back to the show a little bit. The production uh, had some problems in Oshawa, Ontario, which I think this is pretty ironic for like an anti-terrorism show because some residents of the town had expressed some concerns and made some phone calls when a twin-engine plane was like seen on a road filming some gunfire scenes. And residents are like making calls about like this plane that's <laughs> this plane on, landed and now they're on a road. Sh- yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Prompting what? the Oshawa airport manager Stephen Wilcox to release a press statement assuring the public that quote today is the one day it's okay if you see a plane on the road. <laughs> like, that's funny. <laughs> You well, know, they got to film their scenes somewhere, but yeah. it's just funny that, like, people were like, oh, my God, what's happening? Yeah. But, like, that's also, like, the point of the show. <laughs> Honestly, the the impression I got from watching this show was was a feeling that I sometimes, I don't know, like, for our generation, it felt like classic, classic cop drama TV, you know, like your Law & Order, your NCIS, your CSI. where there's, like, six main characters and for some reason, they're like doing all the jobs and functions <laughs> yeah. of of this law enforcement organization, even though there are people in the background. You know what I mean? Like the person. Yeah, of course, there's one guy who's always the man in the chair typing away at the computer and never leaves. But the other main characters at various times are like in the office with him and then invariably like on the scene interrogating a person and anytime, anytime in the border. And I watched a few episodes and it's a classic, you know, TV law enforcement trope that they're showing, you know, a victim or a witness, a picture of a potential suspect. It's always just like one picture of the bad guy. And they're like, yeah, that's him. I'm like, why would it not? Why would you not be showing them like a bank of pictures and they're like, which was the guy who said they were going to bring the drugs across the border? It's always just like a picture of the already established bad guy and the witness is like, yeah, it was him. So you're saying it's never (laughs) two separate pictures of like one random guy and then like one, the bad guy. No, no. It's just always just just the bad guy. Here's a picture of the bad guy you saw earlier in the app and they're like, that's the bad guy. (laughs) Okay. But uh, you know what I mean? It's not, I'm not like trying to throw shade on the border. It's like the genre as a whole does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. (laughs) It just felt like classic to me in that way. (laughs) 
just a quick shout out. I mean, Grace Park was in a handful of episodes of American Dad, one of my favorite cartoons of all time. She voices Toshi's sister. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to talk about. <laughs> That's right. Book them, Dano. Hawaii 5 0. It's time to talk about 2010's Hawaii 5 0. It's interesting, you know, because much like Battlestar Galactica, this was a reboot, not, not a sequel, of a pre existing series. Uh, technically, in case you were curious, uh, the original Hawaii Five O is Hawaii Five dash the letter O, and this reboot is the number zero. Uh, <laughs> it is different on purpose, I That's think, funny. for some search engine result related things. But uh, it's a it's an action police procedural TV series. It centers around the major crimes task force operating under the charge. And direction of the governor of Hawaii. And I, I think that's the premise of the original series, the, the like the 60s, 68 through 1980s series. Interesting note about the original Hawaii 5 but like at the time that it ended, it was the last 60s television show. Really? Like it hmm. was a it was the final TV show from the '60s to to end, hmm. um, and I think at the time the longest running police procedural drama. Um, anyways, this is a CBS show. This new series that we're talking about from 2010 was produced by CBS Productions along with uh, KO Paper Products, which. I wanted to mention because I believe that was created and run by Alex Kurtman, Kurtzman and Robert Orsi because Alex Kurtzman, Robert Orsi, along with uh, Peter Lenkov are create are like the people who developed this series. Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi are writing duo who I've talked about before, to be fair, more so Kurtzman because they split up as a writing duo back in 2014. But as of 2009, moving forward, Alex Kurtzman is like the franchise showrunner of Star Trek. Like, Kurtzman and Orsi wrote the first two Star Trek movies, and they had been partners long before that. Uh, I'm talking about, like, the Jabrams movie that yeah. he Jabrams directed it, but the, these two wrote it. Um, and if you remember... That, rather than being a sequel to the Star Trek movie universe, was a reboot. They were just redoing. They started over again. And when Kurtzman and Orsi were brought on to Hawaii Five-0, they wanted to do that again. And this Hawaii Five-0 series was originally planned as a sequel series. And going to be like the generational offspring of the previous characters. But... But Kurtzman and Orsi were like, well, we, you know, we, re we just rebooted Star Trek. What, what if this was a reboot? And they rebooted it along with uh, Peter Lenkov, who, by the way, Peter Lenkov, also responsible for the MacGyver reboot and the Magnum P.I. reboot. 
and all three of those shows take place in the same universe. Oh, really? Uh, that is huh. sometimes referred to as the Lenkov verse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's dude. Fun. I was such a big fan of MacGyver that I refused to watch the My- MacGyver reboot. I have not I, seen a single episode. You know what? I don't even blame you. I won't watch it. But uh, <laughs> Grace Park, if you didn't, you know, she's in, she's in the pilot episode. You know, moving forward for a long time of the show, when she's first her appearance in the television show is she's seen like surfing and like hit by another surfer, and then walks out of the ocean holding her surf her surfboard and says. Ho, brah, and then punches this dude out and says, think twice before dropping in on someone else's wave next time. (laughs) Then, like, runs up to the other three main characters to be introduced to the two of them that, like, didn't know this character. Um, So she is one of the four main characters of the show. Uh, if If you didn't know... Uh, along with Alex O'Loughlin, who he's not Dano from the phrase book him Dano, which is, of course, a reference of this show. But Alex Laughlin and Scott Kahn, I feel like, are pretty iconic as like this cop duo. Isn't Daniel Day Kim? A main character yes. who is so Jin, Jin Su Kwan yes. from Lost. And did you know Jorge Garcia comes up later in the show? No so it's the second way. time they got to work I together. I did not know that. Lost. That's awesome. Uh, I did yeah. not know that. That yeah. makes me want to watch more of this because well, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of it, but I haven't seen that far. Uh, Alex O'Laughlin, by the way, he was in a bit of a shield back from our Chickless episode. But, uh, anyways. Daniel Day Kim and Grace Park are two of the four main characters for seasons one up through season seven. The two of them left between seasons seven and eight because they demanded to be paid as much as the other two main characters. And I feel like that's super, super fair, and they should have been. And then the final offer from CBS was 10 to 15% lower than Scott Kahn and Alex O'Laughlin's pay. And so, in solidarity with one another, the two of them left the show. And by the way, after seven seasons, the show ended up not having that many more seasons. Canceled after season 10. Yeah, because... Because they lost two of their freaking main characters for not agreeing that they were main characters and and trying to call them featured actors. That's wild. You live and you learn. So I know that we've talked about this next thing uh, several times. I know that Israel's viewing of it has caused him to love me more. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, and me. And Johnny. And me. But yeah. most, not just you. But, most, but mostly me. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next thing is uh, 2018 to presence a million little things. Um, yeah. Grace Park plays a main role. Uh, of Catherine Kim. Uh, I mean, if you haven't been uh, listening to us uh, recently, we did uh, in the Rodé app, which I guess isn't that recently. Um, we covered this in depth. Yeah. But yeah. for those of you that don't know, uh, A Million Little Things is set in Boston. A tight-knit circle of friends is shocked after a member of the group unexpectedly dies by suicide. 
The friends realize that they need to finally start living life as they cope with their loss. Uh, the title is a reference to the saying, friendship isn't a big thing, it's a million little things. So, I mean, I feel like anybody who hears those few sentences kind of understands just the general premise of the whole show. And, and like, really, you don't need anything else to, um, like, grasp how heavy this show is. Yeah. Because it will make you want to cry. It will, like, make you think about the relationships in your life and how much, like, maybe you should be value how much more you should be valuing those valuing those relationships yeah like, and it's it's heavy it's very heavy it's very it's so heavy in fact it made israel be a, nice a to us softer for like person a month <laughs> and not attack me as much he would he would halt him or he'd pause and be like i was gonna say something mean but there's a million reasons why i love you and jonathan <laughs> dude if that's not I enough mean, to make you watch a million little things i don't know what is we're, we're making jokes but like it's not just izzy like making you like if you watch this show, it will make you just like if you pay attention, more appreciative the of, relationships in your life. Yeah, it's it'll just make you more appreciative of those yeah. things and make you think about how lucky you are to have so and so in your life or a couple, hopefully a couple so and sos. But right, like it's right. um, it's it's a really special show and um it is like it is very heavy and um you got to be ready to cry if you watch that show. I'm always ready to cry. <laughs> this guy, Thomas, <laughs> drop of a hat. Literally, sometimes he's uh, he's weeping. I'm like, "What's up?" He's like, I dropped my hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what's made me do? Was that pretty take. good? Yeah, dude. I mean, almost I almost got a spit take, take out uh, of that. Almost, I, was, I, 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 I'm bowing and walking out of the room. Now. Yeah, that was a good. I mean, if you consider Roy Kent giving <laughs> Jamie Tart a hug after his belligerent dad is thrown out of the room, then yes, I will cry at the drop of a hat. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> this week in TV news, all I have to report is that season three of The Boys that airs on Amazon has officially wrapped up uh, filming. So season three, wrapped up filming. The whole cast like released a, a, like a compilation video of all of them hanging out and being like, oh, season three's done. Um, I'm just super excited about that. I'm such a big fan of The Boys. I know it's probably coming. I'm hoping it's coming later this year. Um, so yeah, look out for that. I'm so excited for season three of The Boys. Well, I have some more even urgent news for you for TV news. What do you got? The Doom Patrol, which is literally nice. my favorite superhero thing. I think it's better. You think it's I, better than The Boys? I mean, yes. But oh, I think okay. it's on par. <laughs> but I'm saying like better than all the Marvel movies that yeah. I've followed and talked about. Better than than Loki, which I've demanded everyone watch. Loki's so good. Like my favorite superhero thing is the Doom Patrol, and season three is coming out in a matter of days. Season three coming out coming at you on September twenty third. So if you haven't already watched seasons one and two, 
I envy you. I wish I could rewatch them for the first time, but I'll settle for rewatching them for the like millionth time as I journey on into season three. And of course, that is on HBO Max. I think that is the yeah. home of everything DC yeah, these days. So watch it on HBO Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, All right. So now that Israel's thunder has been fully stolen, yep, yep, um, we're we're gonna move on to. What have you been watching? Now, now you're stealing Israel's thunder because well, Israel introduces this bit. You, what have I been watching? Just like at all? This what have you week? been watching this year? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I wrote I like it that. down. <laughs> it literally says number three. What have you been watching this week? <laughs> Thomas is going Black anywhere else. <laughs> what, what do I do here? Let's try it again. Let's try it again. <laughs> what have you been watching this week? Oh my gosh! You you didn't even say you have to you have to bring us in with. All right, the next thing we're going to be talking about. Okay. This is our next segment, something. And why did you, why were you excited <laughs> and in character for what have you been watching and then deflated and out of character for this, this week? week yeah. Just like this what week is less watching? important than just this what week. have you been watching. <laughs> do All it, right. Just do it right. So our, do it right. Now that Israel's thunder has been stolen but once, I am going to steal it yet again. By commandeering his perennial segment, what have you been watching this week? Oh my gosh, that was so much better than I've ever done it. <laughs> Dude, Thomas has been saying perennial a lot. Is he using that word correctly? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it means like a like, like a, a flower that comes back next year. Yeah, I was gonna say like a it's yearly like, thing. Uh, yeah, like undying. Undyingly or continuously okay. or sted, I thought you called, steadfast. Called somebody like the perennial man or something. Yeah, like he's the eternal man. I think it's like the bicentennial man. No, that's a, <laughs> isn't that a movie? Anyway, we're not here to talk about movies. <laughs> type of nickel. <laughs> we're here to talk about what you have been watching this week. Israel, I give the floor to you because I stole your thunder. I have been catching up on a fun favorite, and that is Disenchantment nice. on Netflix. I've already seen it all. It's Matt Groening's latest thing. You know, he he gave you The Simpsons. He gave you Futurama. He's giving you this new thing with Eric Andre. It's fantastic. It's great. We've talked about it before. There's nothing new right now, but uh, yeah, I finished my latest background TV show and was like, Rather than restart another background go to what if I just rewatch something cool and fun and so I've been watching Disenchantment and it's hilarious. I always have to double check if it's called Disenchanted or Disenchantment. Yeah, me too. Uh, we messed I it always up. forget. We I messed always it up forget. in like multiple Yeah, we messed apps. it up before, we <laughs> messed it up again, but you can find it on Netflix. It's a fun time. Watch it. So good. Well, since I've since I've been asked i think it's up to me to ask hey johnny oh yes what have you been watching this week 
This week I've been watching something totally new. Uh, so I've been watching a show just started uh, within the last two weeks. There's two episodes out right now on Hulu. I think it says it's an FXX and Hulu original. It says like both of those things, if I'm not mistaken. But it's called Why the Last Man. So it's like the letter Y and then the last man. So this is like a apocalyptic TV show that starts off with um, all the boys dying. All of them. All of them oh in the boy. world. All the boys are dead. Oh, so no more why chromosome. Yeah, okay, so I was like, yeah, maybe that's it. Or maybe it's like this guy's name starts with Y. And it's like, is also it like, why is he the last man? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's yeah. like no explanation. So like in this show, just within like 30 seconds, every male throughout the entire world starts like throwing up blood and dies within 20 seconds. And it just happens that fast. Um, so it's like an end of the world scenario uh, you know, there's like a chain of command with um, like the White House and like uh, there's, you know, th there's, of course, a woman president now. And she's like trying to uh, control things and like understand what's going on. Um, it's just it's it's really wild. And like the first two episodes are very good. There's nothing else right now. It airs on Mondays, I believe. So I think tomorrow we're recording on Sunday, right. so tomorrow there's going to be a new episode that I'm going to watch. But I, there's still a lot of questions for me. I feel that like we I'm alluded to... to it, but just to explicitly state, like there's one man, mm -hmm. one male alive. Yes, yeah. So like, what, there's a guy who's I think his name starts with Y, and like he he puts a big Y, and it's like I'm still here, and he's like trying to get his sister, his fiance. He's trying to meet up with them, but he is. As far as we know in the show, the last man alive. And I will say, like, if is it, you... Is it funny, like, last man on Earth? No. Oh. It's not funny. It's uh, <laughs> it's very serious and, like, uh, you know, like a, 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 an apocalyptic show. Uh, but, like, I know a lot of questions are going to pop up yeah, in anybody's yeah. mind where you're like, oh, the last man, like every, all men are dead. And like that gets brought up in the show because there are trans characters who look like men and are like, well, now I can't go anywhere because of all the questions I get. It's like before and like they, they I don't know, they bring up a, like a lot of interesting questions of like what this means for society. And um, I don't know, I think it's I think it's very interesting and I think they're doing it really well. And I can't wait to see more of it. Um, and I'm just a big fan of like apocalyptic movies and TV shows. And especially if you do that in an interesting way, like uh, The Stand with Stephen King. And I really think all men dying except one is also a very interesting um, proposition. It's a really cool show. Highly recommend it. It's on Hulu. Check it out. And uh, the reason I said, you said something about like Hulu uh, not putting ads with like some shows that they're like trying to get you into. Uh, I, I have Hulu with ads right now. And it, I watched the whole first episode of this show. No ads. They, yeah. they fast tracked it and then the second episode did have ads yeah so they were just like trying to get you hooked on like a new property and uh i i thought that was interesting too but i 
I love it. I can't wait to watch more. I'm really hooked in it. I watched, there's two episodes out and I watched them back to back in one night and I like stayed up too late doing it. Uh, so I'd highly recommend it. Um, Thomas, what have you been watching? The only television I have watched is the most recent episode of Ted Lasso. Oh, and we watched that together. And we did. And, and it was a weird one. For those of, I was going to say that for those of you that, have not seen the most recent episode of Ted Lasso. Go watch it first of all. Second, uh, expect not a typical episode. I don't want to ruin it because I still think it's something special and it's yeah, very fun. Yeah. And but at it is first, out of the ordinary, it is. And at first, I thought it, there's a term for it, but I thought it was one of those episodes where they try and cut the budget so they can add more budget to other episodes. But there are so many different locales and like a lot of camera staging in like different areas that it seems logistically more expensive than a regular episode. So I just don't. They really just took an episode to concentrate on one character. Yeah. Like and that that's kind of strange. Like you don't see Ted almost at all. Yeah. Or like you, anybody else except like it's a it's a beard ca- uh, episode. Yeah, like it's, it's a beard episode. It's all about beard. And like there are other characters in it, but I think only in like the first minute and the last minute that are recurring characters. Like yeah. there are characters that are alluded to in dialogue that you see but not well I'm not going to go super far into it. Just watch Ted Lasso if you haven't at all started season one, episode yeah. one. If it's, you, it's much more individually character focused than the majority of the show. Yeah, the majority of the show is like this almost band of people that work together and live together. Yeah. And and I would just like to say, hey, if you have the opportunity, watch it how we like to watch it. That is. With your best friends. With your pals. With your pals. With your buds. That's that the way to make do it. it. So good. <laughs> it is. It makes it it makes it so much better. Um but that's what I've been watching. Heck yeah. Israel, nice. are you ready to to take us home? I think I see that light at the end of the tunnel. The tunnel, of course, being a nice, cooling, relaxing episode. <laughs> um this is a cool so, Yeah, for sure. I've loved talking about Grace Park. I've loved talking about these shows. If you have anything you want to tell us about Grace Park or these shows or who we should talk about next, are you like, hey, you mentioned Alex Kurtzman like 20 times. Do an Alex Kurtzman episode. Tell me. Tell me if you want. You know what I mean? Or, or anyone else. You can reach out to us at the TV boys on Twitter on the old tweeter. You can also reach out to us at the TV boys pod on Instagram, trying to send us an Insta video of the funniest line of television you saw today. When you heard this, please do. <laughs> if you're just not, I, I swear to Jiminy Criminy, if you're sending some sort of Snapchat of television and it's like a funny line to your friend, send it to us. I love TV. That's the whole reason we're here. <laughs> um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you liked about these shows and other people. And I think that wraps us up for now. I, I've had a fantastic time. I 
I know I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it two more times. I look forward to this every week. It's so fun. I hope you had fun listening to us in case you were lost at this point and you're like, wait, which one is which which one of them is saying these words? I've been Izzy. Who else we got here? I'm Thomas. And I'm Johnny. And that's who we are. And if I could give you one last piece of advice, go ahead and watch another episode and we will talk to you next week. <laughs> there's a there is a plane. There's a plane. We're not stopping. We're not stopping. We're not even this stopping. Truck keeps that plane on moving. That plane <laughs> agrees with us. Yeah, and all those people on that plane are yeah. most likely just boxes. They're all fans. They're all <laughs> listeners. Uh, you're supposed to say go ahead and talk to us next week, and we'll or you're supposed to say go ahead, you go didn't... ahead and see us next week, and we'll talk to you next week. That's you're the thing to... I said that he you said that like, it was fun. Broken. Oh, okay, yeah. So go ahead <laughs> and watch another episode. We will talk to you next week. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. All right. Yeah, but I, like I did say that, and you were like, yeah. "It's okay." <laughs> yeah.